I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're all grown? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're all for us? Yeah, who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're all grown? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you're all for us? Today on the Dallas Famous Podcast, our guest is Corey Howe. Corey is co-owner of one of the best dive bars in Dallas, Charlie's Star Lounge. I got to know him as the singer of the band Dead Flowers. Corey has been a staple in Deep Ellum for a while, helping fledgling businesses, managing the double wide, the nines, and he's an amazing cook to boot. I think he's an interesting guy, and I think you will dig getting to know him better. So here's my interview with Corey Howe on this week's Dallas Famous Podcast. Let's start before Dallas. Like, what's your history before coming here? Yeah, um, well, I grew up in Garland, Texas, um, and as soon as I I applied to one university, and my best friend went to the Marine Corps, I made a deal with them. It was like, I'm going to apply to a school, and if I get in and I get a scholarship because my family didn't have any money, uh, I'm going to do that. But if I don't, I'll, I'll go with you to the Marine Corps. And he was like, cool, deal. And then I applied to this one university, uh, mostly based off their food program because it was really good. I think that was that, and there was a tree that was really pretty there in fall. Hmm. I'd never seen fall before being from Dallas or Garland. Hmm. Uh, and I applied, and I got mostly a full ride, and I was like, sorry, buddy, I'm going to Chicago. So nice. went to University of Lake Forest, graduated, uh, majored in philosophy, minored in theology, and then uh, spent a little time in California and uh, ended up moving back to uh dallas area and um never really looked back why'd you come back to dallas i mean at the time my my parents were having some issues and just needed some help uh and so needed me to be around especially for my sisters and uh financial stuff you know so Mm -hmm. came back and it was kind of funny because i was in california i played this festival uh a lot of these uh punk guys out there um, I think it was No Pants Fest. I think it was the, the festival. I might have that wrong. But uh, I met this guy named uh, Jeffrey Signs, who uh, ended up being Jay Charles and the Train Robbers and now like a really well-known producer uh, from Modern Electric. And um, we basically both, we met in the desert and then we both moved back at the same time, which was kind of wild. And that kind of started this whole deep ellum hang. He knew a lot of people. I didn't know as many. And... Uh, and then, yeah, it was a lot of late nights and a, a lot of music. <laughs> hmm. Okay. And so you're, so you're back in Dallas. Like, uh, that's one thing that struck me, because I'm not from Dallas, is how many people never left or left and came back, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, there, there's definitely a s- statistic in there that can be viewed negatively uh, and that I remember seeing in my studies, you know, of course. But I think at the same time, I was having this conversation with somebody at the bar the other night and they were talking about they've moved away now three times and I've always come back. It's never really been for money or like, um, 
you know, going for broke or whatever, but something about Dallas, just it's like this magnetic feel that just like sucks you back in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, even moving away to Denton, I think for some people, even though it's 30 minutes away, uh, kind of feels like an exodus of sorts. Yeah. <laughs> right. It does. Wild. Yeah. I've kind of stopped going there as much as cause I'm like, oh, those late nights driving back are so oh, gosh. brutal. Dangerous. You were in, I mean, were you, I know you were in Dead Flowers. That's how I became acquainted with yeah. you. Were you yeah. something before that? Or is that your first, like, how did you, how did that come about? That was, I know Vinny and you met in Chicago, right? Yeah. So, so ba- I was in a band called Eulalia <laughs> and I didn't know how to play the guitar. I don't know what that band sounded like. Um, I did learn a lot and I became obsessed with Blind Melon through that band. Um, and then me and Vinny and Chris, Chris Bach, who still lives in Chicago, we all met, we formed uh, a band called Gold Rock, um, which played, I think, two or three shows. And one of them was at our college opening up for The Used and Rise Against, which was just really weird. Wow, okay. And then moving back and like, you know, 15 years later, then I'm hanging out with the Rise Against guys, you know, at Three Links, which is just a, a very small world. But um, yeah, when I moved to Dallas, um, I was definitely playing acoustic and doing like some open mics. Uh, I got banned from opening bell for singing a Neil Young song, which was nice. Um, <laughs> I was singing Southern Man, Southern Man, and uh, I mean, you've you've uh, been in the studio with us, you know. Um, my voice goes from like low to loud pretty quick, and I didn't really have any control. So at that time, I didn't know how to sing really. And so to hit a note that was in a higher register, I just thought I had to scream it. So basically I was in a coffee shop screaming Southern man <laughs> to 10 people. I think I was playing an electric guitar that I'm sure wasn't in tune, uh, like just terrible green Corey. Um, and I ended up getting banned from there, which was wild. But, um, me and Jeff kind of buddied up and he actually, uh, we did an EP, like a country EP. Um, he had a mobile studio at Oliver Peck's print shop up on Lawnview and we cut it all there and that was pre Spotify, I think. So I don't, I don't think any of that ever made it on Spotify. I'm pretty sure my mom's got the only hard copy. (laughs) Um, and then through that, I ended up, uh, doing a couple of gigs with the train robbers and, and helping kind of co-write with Jeff a little bit there. And, I think I learned more being in that band, you know, off the microphone and just paying attention to Steve on drums and like figuring out how to play with a band versus always playing, you know, just a solo acoustic for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I did a bunch of solo stuff and I was, I met Chelsea Callahan really early on in that. And I, you know, at a show at the loft and she's the one that hit me to double wide and uh and then set me up and later on i was on her little booking label so i was just kind of kind of really have chelsea to thank for that and then jeff for kind of showing me the ways you know of the pro band guys um yeah it's cool wild i haven't thought about that in a while it's crazy (laughs) that's cool yeah i mean i i do romanticize those days in deep i'm sure living here there's a lot of just downtime but it just it seems so cool like a lot of stuff was brewing that's now yeah. formed you know it, and it was when i first moved here there was double wide eight airs profit bar trees had just reopened i believe and they were doing like a local showcase on thursdays i believe and um and i remember like the one of the first shows i saw was jonathan tyler and northern lights and i blew me away at the granada buddies of mine took me there to see a different band I saw JT and those guys and I was like, I want to do that. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Like immediately, like, uh, and I ended up being friends with them and, you know, I was telling them I was, 
in California. He's like, dude, move back here, build a band. Like it's a, everything's changing here. Like you may not realize it now, but if you put something together at this moment, you know, in five years, like it's going to be a really cool situation in Dallas. And he was right. Cause you know, there was auxiliary voice in the room sounds, dead flowers and good night, Ned, Van Sanchez. And I mean, all the bands that, you know, that I love and that you do as well, all the Chevy showcase guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's crazy how quickly that happened, you know, it seemed overnight in, in retrospect. Huh. God, yeah, it's not, I do miss you guys. Good night, Ned. I mean, mm. I, I've seen WJ the power still play. Yeah, that really was fun. I mean, I, that for me, I, I lived in LA. I'd never even been to Dallas. I had played with a friend in my 20s who went to SMU. So he romanticized Deep Ellum for me. Oh, cool. I so, didn't know that. Yeah, it was like in the back of my head. Um, and he talked about how great it was. And then, you know, because I'm a deadhead, like the Deep Ellum Blues. So, mm -hmm. but so I started working on that Chevy show. And yeah, I mean, I just was, I fell in love with Dallas. I wasn't even here and I fell in love with it. And yeah, I remember we were like riding to you, me and Vinny, I think. And uh, and then Vinny sent you that guitar, yeah. my favorite guitar. I think you, I still have it. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I, we got to play like one show with it or something. Yeah, well, it's not okay. Well, okay, <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you, but like when I got here, I was like, Vinny, the thing doesn't actually really work. Oh, the whammy. Yeah, I like no the 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 input. Oh, I can and, see that. And then he just was like, Yeah, well, uh, oh, I can get that taken care of for you. <laughs> that guitar deserves to live. I got to dig it out. I know I got it somewhere. That thing was so awesome. I was so mad at him. I was like, dude, like, and, and we were such a young band. We didn't have any, I think we I was started building guitar. I'm kind of shocked that he sent that to me, but he, I think we all were. And now we're all like, oh, that's so Vinny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. Send, like I did. I sent him a bunch of, I used to have my rock and roll pants. I sent him a bunch. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. And there was some, uh. I feel like there was some like, was there some leather pants? Yeah, yeah. that became jorts in a show. I saw I pictures. Absolutely see that. You thought I was going to be upset. I'm like, man, like, it said it to you. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good show. That, 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 <laughs> it's I guess. your problem now. I missed it, but yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that. So yeah, so you're playing acoustic stuff and Deep Bellum is kind of starting to go off a little yeah. and then Dead Flowers. How does that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, back to the, to the Vinny thing. So, uh, Vinny and his partner were basically uh, traveling around the country doing marketing and various, he was on this like fruits and vegetable thing where he was on the news every day, which was wild. And uh, <laughs> it was the way we, it was a yogurt company. So we joked about him slinging yogurt. Uh, and then uh, I just told them, I was like, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm feeling really good about Dallas. Like I'm getting some pretty cool uh, acoustic shows. I'm getting some momentum and um, I want to put a band together. So you guys just do that, save money. Like, and then just move to Dallas and everything will just be fine. You know, like who would believe that? And, uh, and he did. And, um, you know, I didn't go out looking for band members. You know, I, I, I don't think, I hope I was never in a crowd. Like you want to hear my songs, dude, you know, check out my demo, you know, it was more like just hanging out and, uh, meeting people. And I, I met Ed through Jeff signs. Um, cause they were in a band together in LA, of course, cause why not? And then, um, you know, uh, I met Tony and Justin and, uh, and Matt and Tony ended up playing guitar. And I told him, I was like, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but like, I got this guitar God traveling around the country. And, uh, I, I, I basically promised him a band and he was like, man, I'll just come play with you guys for a while. It sounds fun. And then I met Evan in a very Evany way at, uh, at the goat. And, uh, he was kind of drunk and it was just like, he just kind of said something like, I heard you looking for a bass player or something, something like that, you know? <laughs> and I knew at the time he was doing like collab and, um, uh, the cool, which are all really groovy bands. And I always had this idea of a rock and roll band, 
but like no straight rock bass. So he was like the perfect kind of bass player to, I think, really shaped the combination of that with the way that I accidentally play acoustic guitar. I think he really shaped the way that early, that early Dead Flower sounded. And, and yeah, we I think we had three rehearsals. We cut a demo with uh, David Ponder on guitar, Wild, uh, uh, another chapter. Yeah. And then Tony came in, and then we Tony, last names like give me last names. Oh, uh, Tony Webb, uh, Evan Johnson, uh, Vince Tooley, obviously. Um, who did I miss? I think you got them all. I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Ed. Oh, Ed Cheney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the amazing Ed. Um, yeah, and I think we did that demo at uh, Ed's house with Josh White, and um, I think we did three rehearsals, and we cut a demo, and they're all looking at me like I'm insane, like my cables weren't long enough to reach my amp. They're like, what is this guy doing? You know, it's like, just trust me. It's going to be cool. You know, uh, and it, you know, it, it worked, it worked out. It took us around the country. Yeah. A couple of albums, few, four albums. Yeah. I mean, like my, I, my impression, you guys, when we had like, I mean, at that point I had already worked on 24, 36 bands between here in Oklahoma and, you know, a couple other places. I mean, I didn't go, I hadn't traveled yet. So I was doing mm-hmm. all from LA, but, um, your guys' interview. Well, first of all, I think you guys were a little bit buzzed on that interview. I'm pretty sure we were, yeah. But you were the first one where I was like, this guy's like rock and roll. Like he's yeah. not pretending. Like a lot of these people, like on the show, are like they're they're probably out there drinking and partying and doing the rock and roll thing. But like on the show, they're just like very stiff. Yeah. Like, well, except for there's one band I won't mention that we're pretty sure we're on speed. But <laughs> oh gosh, not they're not together anymore. So I guess uh, so. yeah, speed kills. Yeah, yeah, kills bands. <laughs> kills especially. bands. Yeah. yeah. But uh. And I just was, it was fun. And, uh, um, and then, you know, I, I moved out here and I kind of started, I kind of cut my teeth working with you guys in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And then you, I don't know if my perspective is you like, suddenly you're like managing the double wide. Yeah. It seemed, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in food and beverage stuff. Like my first job, I'm pretty sure was illegal in a, uh, a little Albanian owned, uh, Italian restaurant called Vitoni's in Garland. Shout out. And uh, cooks all went on strike one day, so I was waiting tables, and the owner was like, you're going to learn how to cook. And I was like, cool. So I was cooking, waiting tables, and, um, and you know, eventually had other jobs in the industry. And then, yeah, when I was, I when I got the job at Double Wide, I was still at Victor Tango's, um, and before that, Fireside. So doing more like, you know, upscale dining, cocktails. Um, we had had a, me and a buddy had a cocktail published in uh, Delta Magazine. Um, you know, all the really wah, wah, wee, wah stuff. And I was just so over it, you know, mm-hmm. people would come in and ask me if I know this chef owner. And I'm like, I absolutely don't because I can't afford to eat there. Like I right. was just like trying to raise enough money to get on the road, you know? And, uh, and so double wide was like the first time I got to bartend at a bar that I would want to hang out with at, you know, nice. and, uh, that was the deal when they hired me, I was like, look, you know, barring like I do something terrible, like steal or you know, murder somebody. Like if this doesn't work out, I still get to hang out here because this is my favorite bar and still is this day, like my favorite bars in Dallas. Yeah, it's a great one. So yeah. And then, yeah, I was managing there. And then I started, I, I, I started there to not manage. That was a deal. And then I was managing and then I was booking bands. And then me and Kim, uh, had an idea to kind of, I noticed that photographers in the venue were shooting everything in black and white. And I was like, why is that? You know, and I realized there's no lighting and I was like, okay. So we started doing little adjustments in the venue, and the next thing you know, like Kim and I were in there, and Vinny helped, uh, and we just redid all that reclaimed wood, and yeah, it's you beautiful, know, 
there. That was all her. Like I had like, I was like, oh, we could do a couple of sound panels, you know? And she was like, no, this is going to be awesome. And it's like a little mini rhyme and it looks so cool. Yeah. I just wish they would turn the lights up a little more. They're cool about it. If I ask them, because when I'm shooting, I'll have to, man. So I used to have like household uh, track lights. I don't know if they're still there, but they were on the front. And I could I put them on just a fader, so they weren't even attached to the sound system. Yeah, they just still you get white light. Yeah, th- like I said, some usually they're really cool, and I'm like, just give me a song or two, right? right and so we get a couple it. shots. Yeah, and they'll yeah. do it. And I, I mean, but they're always just moody as those yeah. shots. It's like it's almost too much. But anyway, mm-hmm. I love the bar anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you're doing that, and then I don't know. Then all of a sudden, it just seemed like you were like helping every establishment in Deep Ellum like get off their feet. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, kind of. So um, after I parted ways with uh, working at Double Wide, I was still hanging out there. Obviously, that was a deal. Um, <laughs> um, I was uh, producing Falgu's EP, um, Ashley Falgu, and uh, one of my favorite things. I've, and I was uh, super stoked to really dive into producing. At this point, I think we had done three albums with Dead Flowers, and I think my producer brain was starting to work, and I was starting to hear like, you know, different snare tunings and I was you know I was really wanting to go dive right into production and uh so we did that Falgu EP with Dead Flowers and it was awesome um a great experience and I remember one day I was going to Monkey King to get some food and on the way back I see this guy that I kind of knew but I knew his wife because Courtney was in Gorehounds she was uh, one of the performers and um a, a band that I teched for uh Cramps Tribute Band and uh I saw him I was like hey what's up bud you know he kind of looked pretty pretty down and he just like handed me this stack of papers with basically like had a bar grade like his inventory grade and it basically said you're not making any money and everybody's stealing from you and uh you know i'd maybe been unemployed for a week at this point probably the longest you know in my life <laughs> and uh i was like well you know maybe i can help out and like and so we set up a couple meetings and they were very formal about everything which should into your investment and um and then i got the job and then i fired everybody and pretty much overnight i think i fired 90% of the staff rehired. Um, there was a food program there, uh, mostly all new talent, started going through programming. And Wait, I'm sorry, did I miss, where, where are we talking about? This is at nine. The nine. Okay. Yeah, this is at the nine. So this is what started all that. So it was kind of a consulting. It was supposed to be a three-month thing. And I think I just celebrated my five and a half or six-year anniversary right. there. Right. Um, but through that, uh, you know, um, that was more of a timing thing, like turning, doing hip-hop, um, like DJ oriented hip hop, not necessarily live hip hop, but indie bellum. And at that point in time, not a lot of people were doing it, um, whether they were afraid to, or they didn't know how to manage or whatever, that just wasn't happening. And so we did it, we did it really well. We did it safe. Like people, you know, have a great time. And it was always like a, a female that would be like, thank you so much. Like I feel safe here and I can just, you know, and that, that meant a lot to me. That's what I want, you know, in any aspect of life. And so Nines did really well. And then, you know, I went over to Independent Bar and Kitchen. Um, Josh Florence, another, you know, guy I've known for years through City Tavern and, um, you know, ended up kind of absorbing a chef job and then getting rid of a lot of the front of the house servers. And then next thing you know, I'm running that place for a contract. I think it was three months there while I'm still running Nines and then fell in love with the parlors, Patty Melt, as everybody knows, because I... I think more people probably know me as a patty melt guy than the you know lead singer dude uh right and then you know they you know like i mean it just happens there's kind of issues uh that they didn't foresee and um 
there were days that I would go to nines and then I would go to IBK and then I'd get a call from Seth at a parlor. Like, hey man, can you come cook for a minute? And it's like, sure, why not? So then I'd just go to the parlor and I'd be, you know, and then if Three Links had someone call out, I'd be sure, I'll go work a show over here, you know? And wow. it was just, uh, you know, I've always wanted to see my friends and people or programs or things I care about succeed, whether it be a band or a, a restaurant or a bar. And uh, I have a knack for, I guess, for, for service. And uh, yeah, I kind of burned the candle a little hard there, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's just your blood is like all through these like places on Deep Elm that are thriving now. I mean, for the most part, I guess some of them are gone. Like, I think most of them are. Well, <laughs> I guess. But yeah, I mean, oh, okay, they were thriving for a minute. But I mean, point is, is that you you're like woven in, you know? Right. It's like, uh, yeah, that's why you're that's why you're on this podcast for the first episode. Um, anyway, so then I guess so. Dead Flowers is kind of in a like a what would you call it? Like a holding pattern currently? Yeah. Yeah, I want to call it a current, uh, or <laughs> I currently want to call it a holding pattern. Um, you know, I always said with this band, my goal is to make five albums at least, which is a very like, like, I don't, I mean, that was pre-Spotify. So I don't even know how many albums like these young kids are making now. They're just releasing singles or whatever. And whatever they're doing is great and it works for them. It's awesome. But, you know, 12 years ago to be like, hey, I want to make five albums with this record and I want to tour. And, you know, I had goals like I want to I want to play Granada and, you know, like all these things and uh, uh, seemed like pretty crazy uh, goals. But here we are. We have four albums um, and I think they've all just kind of matured as they went. Um, really did. I mean, it, that's the other thing, too. It's like when I, I felt like when I first was introduced to you guys, it was like kind of a party band. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. they really, the songwriting evolved. Like those last two albums to me were just, it was cool. The arc was cool. Like, I mean, I want to see, I want to hear the fifth one. one right. Yeah. I mean, I'd still, you know, I've I still got some songs that I was working on. I mean, that third album, I think I wrote the rest of that through a breakup, I feel like. Yeah. And I was just like, I got to pump this thing out. We got, I got to do something new, you know, and then. And it, and it was, it was great. I was living in the jam room, basically just writing all day. And then that fourth album, you know, Pat, Patrick Kelly was the one that actually made that one happen. He was like, he's like, I've heard four new songs at these shows and, uh, and I know that you can write the rest. Let's just go record an album. And I think, I think he saw the band emotionally stirring a bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think I, what we didn't realize until later was I think everybody was dealing with some different issues that nobody was really talking about. And, uh, you know, so I think he saw that. And so he was like, finish this album. We're going to go back down to Dripping Springs. We're going to record it. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and we did. And, um, I think part of the songwriting stuff that had changed was, was, you know, I'd learned how to play guitar by the third album, you know, not very well, but like, you know, I'll do yeah, I could do okay. And, um, like I understood tone and I was being a little more hands-on with James, with uh, James Brock on drums. Uh, just like, hey, try this. Like, I know this isn't conventional, but like, you're an amazing drummer. This is what I think. And then do whatever you want. And then we would, you know, it was just kind of me trying to produce a little bit. And then I think falling in love with the replacements right in between second and third album and doing all those, the androgynous cover set made made challenge me as a songwriter it was like wait you know it doesn't all have to be 
I don't have to just scream the whole time. I can be, I can be sweet even if I'm sad, you know? And Interesting. That's what I didn't realize. I didn't realize that's where the replacements fell yeah, in there. Yeah. I think it was like the second album, right? After we released that, you know, the first album was very Americana, Modern Electric and Jeff produced that. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, not necessarily that he did what he wanted to do, but like he did what he thought was best with my voice. And, and you, that's what you trust a producer for. Sure. And the second album, we were with Jason Burt, and uh, you know, it was a little, little more hip, in my opinion, a little, lot, lot more effects and uh, pans, and you know, we we're like, oh, okay, that's cool too, you know, it's like kind of Delta Spirity, which was one of my favorite bands, you know. And the third album we made with Nash, and uh, you know, he was seventeen, yeah, and it's just like a raw garage rock and roll record. And then I was like, okay, this is this is where I want to be, like. I want to play our own guitars, our own amps, like right. our own pedals. Like I want it to sound like we sound on stage. And so if you come to a show and, and you like what you hear or experience, at least that album's going to be pretty close to that. Cause there's nothing worse than like, dude, I just heard this band, check them out. And you throw it on. You're like, what is this? Like right. how drunk was I? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's always the challenge. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I want it to sound, I want to produce it versus I want it to sound like it's going to sound, you know? Yeah. There's, a, there's definitely a balance there. I mean, that was with, with Falgu, my, that was my first production. And I was like, I don't want to impede on you, but I really, you know, want you to sound like Adele backed by Lucero. That was the goal. Uh-huh. And, uh, and she nailed it and I challenged her and, and what was cool about her versus as a singer versus me as a singer was I could play her like an instrument cause she was a good singer. <laughs> Right. Yeah. If a producer was like, uh, can you do like a blah, blah, I'd, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. Like sing it and then I'll try to replicate it. But with her, I would like, no, do something up there. And she'd be like, all right. And just nail it every time. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. 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 So then, okay. So then how does Charlie's Star Lounge come into the picture? Yeah. So uh, I think maybe two or three years into nines, like being successful and, um, you know, uh, doing well. I mean, we, nines did, did really well. Um, still doing well. Um, but like in the height of all that pre COVID and that whole nightmare, um, you know, Alan wanted to have a place that, I mean, he always noticed, like I would check in, make sure everybody's good. And at midnight I was at double wide and, you know, Mm -hmm. like walking distance, excuse me, in case they needed anything. But I was, you know, I wasn't hanging out there. Like, middle school me would have loved hanging out there but you know i needed something a little lower key when yeah, to see yeah. some light it's a scene over there i mean it was yeah. cool i've been there like once or twice like i yeah i was a little, i'm a little too old for that <laughs> yeah. I'm old. it's it's wild it's i i mean I, every now and then i'll go in there and I'll, I'll pop in the sound room and just watch everybody just like the whole room just moving it's so cool to to know that you know i had a part in that but yeah um he'd always been and, and alan's he's an entrepreneur like I, I don't know how many businesses he's owned or sold and whatnot and uh he's just really good at that stuff alan faulkner and um and uh he um had been saying he wanted to do uh, do another bar and we looked at a couple spots one was right across the street from nines and i was like i live upstairs where we shot the happy video so in that parking lot there was like an abandoned gas station he wanted to they were looking at building something there and i was like dude i literally couldn't be closer to work like i would that i don't think that's the right move you know it's, <laughs> And so we, we like shopped around with our, uh, with Madison partners who we leased from, and, uh, they found the, the old starlight lounge. Um, and the way they presented it was like, look, this thing's a landmark. 
you know, a lot of people have driven by it. You can describe it and they know where it is. Not a lot of people have been in there in the last, you know, 20 years. Um, and, uh, but if we don't get a tenant in there, it's going to end up being like a subway Starbucks combo at some point, you know, as everything is moving East. And, um, we had looked at a couple other spaces and we didn't really love it. And then went there and, you know, we called it the chocolate starfish. That was our nickname for it. And, uh, <laughs> Cause it was just, it was rough. I mean, the, in the eighties, that place was great, like car shows and like, you know, and then that, that owner passed away and passed it on to one of his bartenders. And, you know, not everybody's, you know, cut out for, for this world, the, the business end of it. It's easy to serve drinks. I mean, that's the fun part. Right, right. I miss doing that, but keeping all the bills straight and paying your taxes. So anyway, anyway, we, uh, we got in there and I remember he sent me in there to, to meet with the city to see if the place was, you know, could, could pass code with a little, a little this, a little that. And these, the fire marshal and the health department were just looking at me like I was wasting their time. Like, Hey, what are y'all thinking? You know? Yeah. So anyways, we, we signed on it right before Thanksgiving, I believe because somebody backed into the front of the, uh, building like the day after, I believe. And, um, or maybe that's when we agreed on it or whatever. Someone backed into it. We had to go get it fixed. We we're already putting money into it and didn't even have it yet, you know? And, uh, the, um, basically, you know, as soon as it was time to, we had talked about getting the previous tenant out, taking care of her making sure she's set with her family and everything and COVID hit and, uh, you know, shut everything down. And so, you know, I let, I, Alan was, you know, he's, he's the principal investor. So he, he, he bought this for me. He bought me into this for what I did for him at nines. A lot of people don't realize that I don't have any money. He, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the equity you earned, though. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely put in the work, you know. Yeah. Blacked out and on the way to 7-Eleven trying to get cases of water in the middle of summer, you know. <laughs> put it in. Uh, shocked myself at the nines quite a bit, too. But anyway, um, so after he just kind of sat with everything and, you know, worried and did the whole, what we all did, like, what does this mean? And, you know, it's his, he had both bars now and his investments and eventually I was like, Hey man, let's just, you know, he likes to build stuff. He's really handy. I love to build stuff and learn more. And I was like, let's just get in there and do, you know, we had to pay to do certain things, you know, for the city, but then it was like, we'll just take our time and we'll do this. We're still out in there. You know, it was nice to mask up in there. Cause that place was just so old and dirty. And mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and so, yeah, we was just going there and every day we'd meet in there and plug away and we built, we ended up, I looked at him one day, I was like, man, this bar top ain't going to work, you know, like looking at it and he's like you want to build one i was like yeah i was like you ever built one he's like no i was like cool me either <laughs> and we learned a lot on that bar top you know and anytime someone bangs their hand on it or a watch or a ring i just gleam at him just like dude don't touch my bar top. Uh, <laughs> right it's a lot different when you put all that sweat into it dude yeah you know it was yeah a lot of we had we both had tetanus shots from that place and you know <laughs> we had a lot of fun but yeah then we you know it was kind of we didn't push it to open, but right around the time everything was ready to reopen, Charlie's was also ready. And so we opened, you know, not knowing what it was going to be. I didn't want to control it too much. That's what I, when I was, you know, doing more consulting, I'd always tell people like, Hey, if you, if you're trying to control everything, like you got to let people show you what they want out of this place. And so I didn't even have a full back bar. It was like, you know, like an airport bar, basically a couple nice things, whatever. And then as people got there, they were like, oh, I wish you had this. It's like, cool, come back next week. You know, here it is. And, you know, we built a culture there and we had to add on that patio. Cause I mean that, you know, first six months, 
people are still, some people are masking, some people aren't, but everybody's smoking on top of each other. And when you can see the air, it's a lot different, you know, with right. in COVID perspective, you're like, oh no, this doesn't look good. Uh, we're a year and a half in now, I think. That's it. Uh, yeah, it feels like. It feels like you've been there forever. It's a great spot. I Thank mean, you. It's yeah. really, it's fun. Actually, uh, uh, you reminded me, I I had a date there and that's the last mm. night I drank alcohol. Oh yeah. I did. I think I did three shots of tequila, which for me isn't. Yeah. It's not, that's not a lot. No. I mean, yeah, I, was, I guess usually I see you, you're working, so you don't drink when you work. No, so I do. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to. I was trying to leave you alone on your date, but I was trying to make sure that she knew that I knew that you were cool. Uh, yeah. It was a weird date, but you know. <laughs> there's a lot of those there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird place. But I also spent one birthday. I invited people. Not a lot of people mm-hmm. came, but it was. We have a hat. Spot. We have one of your, I don't know if ever, somebody left a hat. Oh, it was it's, probably James. I gave it to him for his birthday. I can see that. It's on the back bar. It's still there. Oh, cool. It's really dusty. It looks like it's 50 years old. Uh, I kind of, I mean, if it's like part of, there. The, part of the show, I like it. Oh, it's in. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Like one of the things I like about Dallas, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles. I've spent a lot of time in New York City, mm-hmm. and Dallas feels like int- more intimate. It feels smaller, even though it's still huge. Right. That's one of the things I like about it. Um, like that maybe that's one of the reasons why Charlie's works. I mean, like Deep Elm is this like it's it's right on the edge of Deep Elm, and it's mm-hmm. like a neighborhood where everyone knows to go. Although it's been a little bit you know questionable of late. And, right. I mean, for me. Originally. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more about like, where am I going to park almost, you know, sometimes. Oh, do I have to pay 20 bucks to park? Yeah, you know, when I moved here, what, seven years ago, like I knew where the free parking was. There isn't. Yeah, no, none of them. They took those away. Gone, you know. (laughs) Although I'm surprised they haven't started uh, doing the meters during the day down there, but, you know. It's just a matter. Do you you just right now? I know. Everyone's going to be like, that's your. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, maybe that's why the community works so well at your place there. But I mean, for you, like, what's, like, I don't know how, how you, you've toured. It's so like, what's your feeling yeah. else versus? No, it, you're you're absolutely right. So uh, we have the shared Chicago thing. And I, I lived in Long Beach in the desert, which not quite LA, but, you know, spent some time there for sure when you're in like a big city where there's lots of people. And um, I do feel like in Ch- Chicago is a very welcoming city. And, and there's, especially in the middle of winter when you're, on a CTA or a Metra and you're just looking around and everybody's just like, yeah, we're all freezing together. Like yeah. this just sucks. Or like, uh-huh. I got a, I got a uh, pregame to go to the bar cause I'm going to sober up in negative 20 degree wind just to get to the bar, to get drunk enough to be able to make the walk home and be sober. Oh, yeah. You know, there's that, there's that whole, like, you know, I don't know. I digress with that. But it, I think in Dallas, like, even though we're so spread out, there is, it is a very intimate city. And I, I feel like even in like dining experiences, um, you know, or like, uh, so like, for example, at Charlie's, like, uh, the seats on the patio and some of them inside, uh, they're old bus chairs that I took and oh, really? had them reupholstered. Yeah. I got them, got them for free. It was like, I sought after them. I was like, I think bus chairs would be cool. Make you feel kind of like a kid, this, you know, sort of thing, like you're low to the ground and uh, but also like it'll force you to sit close to somebody, which obviously I thought about that before COVID, like, <laughs> right. you know, um, but it, it, you know, it, it kind of forces people whether they're on dates or they're just meeting or whatever to sit sometimes too close and whatnot. But, um, yeah, I mean, the only other town that I kind of experience what we have in Dallas or what we had in Dallas, like 10 years ago when, when it was a smaller scene was, uh, Rochester. And that's a, it was one of our favorite places to tour. And when we had a booking agent for a minute, um, maybe the first or I don't remember which tour, someone helping us out. 
he was trying to route us into New York City on a uh, Saturday. And uh, I was like, nah, man, we'll do like New York on a Thursday. Like Rochester's where we're going on a Saturday. And he was like, what? <laughs> like, why would you? And I was like, dude, come to Rochester. Like we played at Monty's Crown. Uh, we had a couple good friends we met there. Um, and that we I still keep in touch with today. And uh, it was such a cool little community. And everybody was really in your face and like, super about it and like send us like sent me uh, like mixtapes and like was recommending me like local bands and tattoo shops and my favorite part about th- was this chinese restaurant but that's aside from the point um but uh yeah i mean dallas has that weird charm and it's i think it's why as we were talking about earlier it's so hard to get away from because it's just so easy here and it is you know you have your like oh that's so dallas like kind of pretentious dining, pretentious clubs, whatever, your money, your Dallas money, right? It's right. here. But like, even aside from that, there's just like, and even some of those individuals, I mean, they're just, they, you know, uh, everybody's just very friendly at the end of the day. And, and you know, everybody has a bad day or whatnot, but I, I do feel like, um, like we're just in this, there's almost this, uh, you know, because maybe because the weather is always changing and, everything in Dallas is always changing. So maybe that's why everyone's just kind of like, ah, oh, we, we got this, like whatever, as long as we have a place to celebrate or, you know, hang out, like it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think especially Deep Ellum 10 years ago when there was like eight bands and we all went to each other's shows, you know, it was right. like, all right, Room Sounds are playing tonight, you know, Dead Flowers are tomorrow. And then we're going to the Room Sounds for an after party. And then, you know, uh, somebody's darling's doing this, you know, and it was just, everybody knew the schedule, you know? Yeah. Well, even when I moved here and I was going to your guys' shows, it seemed like there was just like, everyone would go to certain shows. Mm-hmm. Now, oh my gosh, there are so many bands here. It's out of control. It's wild. It's out of control. I mean, and, and then for me, you know, I, I mean, I guess I've been here for a minute, but there's, there's always some band that I've never heard of that everyone's like, you haven't heard of this band? Like you didn't know. And it's just like, there's, it's, it's crazy. But that is wild. Cause I mean, you're, you're shooting and you're, you're in the scene more than I am. I mean, like I, I go out more than I did in my 20s. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. If I drink the Dallas. Yeah. If I drank, I don't know how I would even be doing. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it'd be tricky. <laughs> well, let me ask, I mean, we, we love Dallas, but like what, what's some stuff that maybe you wish Dallas would do differently? You know, I mean, people say the word progressive and it's not really a political thing, but Dallas just has a lot of really weird, um, a lot of really weird laws in general. So like for like, you know, deep Ellum, any, anywhere else in the world where a deep Ellum, you know, or, uh, uh, a, a really populated urban area exists or whatnot, you know, you have food trucks and you have pop-ups and stuff like that. And like, we don't like food trucks aren't allowed to park in deep Ellum, even if they pay like on the street, they can park in a private lot or whatever. There's like really weird like bar restaurant politics in Dallas. Like the fact that you can't make your own charcuterie in Texas. Uh, I guess that's Texas, not Dallas. But, you know, there's like, you know, you go to New York or LA and it's, it's wheels off, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's let our, let's let people make money. Let's let the, you know, independent business owners like take a run at it. Like, like get money, you know, like Mm. be successful. Like uh, Dallas, you know, Dallas makes it hard. Texas makes it hard too, but Dallas, you know, uh, you know, I see a lot of business owners laments through this COVID stuff, you know, um, with the triple P loans and just 
the fire marshal, you know, everything getting back to normal and the marshal just like busting people like mm -hmm. three links and, uh, like double wide was having issues, three links having issues, dot, I was having issues and, you know, um, yeah, Arco stopped doing outdoor shows because people yeah, complained cause, about that. Yeah, you moved to Deep Ellum and you're complaining about hearing music. You know, we, we used to get it, or I think we probably still get it on the rooftop of nines, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't crank it on weekdays, it's Friday and Saturday, man, you you moved to Deep Ellum, like, Seriously. You know? Well, I heard a lot of the businesses that moved in are the mm -hmm. ones that are complaining. Oh, yeah. I mean, and those are the guys, you know, the corporations, the ones that have, you know, 20 units in the state or whatever, you know, they're they're wheeling and dealing to, to get those guys in here because they know that they can make the rent, you know, and, mm -hmm. and then in return, they're like, well, it's too loud. You know, people can't, you know, hear my sales pitch on my Gap sweater or whatever, whatever's down in Deep Ellum now, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy, you know, a lot of, a lot of places, even if they push them, which is, you know, not great, but if you're pushing businesses to thrive somewhere, at least you're giving them a shot, even if it's a shady neighborhood or whatever. But like, I mean, you know, uh, in, in Dallas, it's just like, nah, we're just going to make it really difficult for you. All the, you know, different taxes. And we went through an insurance thing with, with Charlie's where they had us insured as a strip club. I don't know if I ever tell you this. No. This is my first, you know. Like Dead Flowers was a business, but it, you know, it wasn't as profitable, obviously, or, or ideally it wouldn't be as profitable as owning a bar. And, uh, we had just like got paid up from our, you know, our initial investment. And I was like, cool. Like now let's see what this is. Let's, you know, let's enjoy this. I want to, I want a two man boat, you know, with a, just a tiny little motor on it so I can go fishing. Like, this sounds great. Like I don't need a truck or anything, just, you know, whatever. And then we get hit with this insurance scam, basically, that they uh, they were calling us a strip club. And it was like, you know, to be a strip club, you have to have a different type of liquor license. So, like, everything wasn't even correct in the claims and basically charged us, like, thirty, forty thousand $40,000, whatever it ended up being, because um, we had one drag show there called Stripper Church. And, again, not a strip club, just a dive bar. I mean, pretty sure they do drag shows in Chili's now. I mean, they're just, drag shows are normal, and it's which is awesome. Um, and, uh, didn't think twice about having May May do her thing. We, like had her at a nines as well. And when we re reopened, we kind of moved a lot of that programming over there. And, uh, and sure enough, yeah, they, they shut it down. I'm not allowed to do drag shows now. You know, it's in our, in our insurance. And the guy was like, oh, have you ever thought about just having an acoustic guitar player up here, like doing covers? And I'm like, yeah, dude, but those places don't exist because they don't do well. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like technically in our, in Charlie's, you're not allowed to dance. Like, obviously we're, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say that out loud, but you know, it's, yeah. it's wild. So like, I mean, we had to go to an insurance company from Illinois that does nothing about Dallas and they were, were the best thing we could do. And then all this stuff came out about how um, any, any place that does drag shows is going to be a... Ta or considered like a sex shop or a sex, hmm. whatever they called it, a sex venue. And it's like, why, I mean, why even, there's no reason to do that. You know, like, um, like then again, it's just for the state to either control what's happening or make more money. They're probably yeah. profiting off that somehow, but yeah. we got the insurance thing kind of squared around, but yeah, we lost money on it. And, you know, it was very defeating after, you know, a year before we opened, like putting all the work into it. And then, you know, I work so much to make that place successful and safe and, uh, you know, a fun place for people to just get hammered down, you know, by this insurance company. So, you know, not necessarily just Dallas, but I mean, that's kind of the, uh, 
the the downside i do i do think that locally the independent business owners don't really get a good shot at, at, at being successful and making money which is you know to me like this place if something happens to me like cat will have money my uh well this isn't live right this will be aired later yeah so i'm proposing to her on saturday so now i can be like now my fiance if she says yes oh she's gonna say yes i was gonna ask you that not on the air but yeah i mean we get we'll we'll go over it later she doesn't know yet but saturday anyway yeah no it's um, gonna come out till january cool and if she says no then we'll just uh we'll edit it it's fine i can't (laughs) i can't in a million years imagine she would say no no. she's stuck with me she put in too much work but you know if something happened to me like my family my you know my fiance now uh, would would be taken care of, you know, and that right. that's, and you know, you know me personally. That's just kind of always been my thing, like to make sure everybody around me is set up and and happy and healthy. And so, I feel like there's probably other business owners that are struggling with that as well. They're just like, I mean, I don't know what to do. Like, it's so difficult to be successful. And you know, and and with with Charlie's, it's a small bar, and it looks probably to mo- most people looks more successful than it is. But it's such an expensive business to be in the you know bar industry. Um, and it's, and it's really, you know, it's really not, you know, percentage wise, it's great, but nominally it's not that much. You right. Know? I mean, you can only put so many people, they can only have so many drinks. Yeah. You know, legally. That, yeah. It's not that big. <laughs> Don't want an insurance issue. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, like there's a cap and I mean, like, I'm sure, yeah, the margins aren't that, that big. Yeah. But I, I, I do wish the, the city or the state it would just make it easier on, on very, not even just bar, but like, you know like local stores oh yeah new desert yeah like i mean that. it's 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 always upsetting when i read the the facebook stuff where they're yeah. where people are talking about all that stuff it's right it's not cool um well so uh what's what's next for Corey howe hey this is a this is a, a hot question right now <laughs> oh yeah mm. yeah so i mean i've been working about uh no 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 joke uh, unfortunately I've been working about 120 hours a week since Jeez. everything reopened. Um, me and Kat just went on our first vacation in four years, I think. And the vacation was great, but we didn't rest cause I had to basically make it all up to her four years worth of vacations. You know, <laughs> whatever you want to do, babe, let's go do it. You know, we didn't sleep. Uh, we, we did everything and it was great. Um, but uh, I've, I've decided that I'm going to step down from from nines. And originally, I was going to step down altogether. Um, everything I've done there is locked in. I got guys that I can bring up. And that's what I'm working on now. Um, make sure they can manage. And everybody knows if they ever need anything, they can call me, ask me whatever advice or anything. Um, but it looks like um, I'm probably staying on as some sort of you know minor consultant um, for the company since we're partners in Charlie's as well. Um, so, which is great for me, um, but uh, I'm hoping to a get rest, which I've never really been good at, but maybe I will now. Um, but I'm I'm gonna try to take a um, kind of dive right into some some more food stuff. I'm um, gonna start doing uh, food pop ups. So I'm, I'm gonna bring a, there's a a burger from Oklahoma called the uh, Oklahoma Onion Burger, and it's a smash burger, which everybody knows smash burgers, but. Not a lot of people do them right, in, in my opinion. And uh, so I'm just going to start slinging uh, Oklahoma onion burgers huh. and uh, as well some other stuff um, and uh, do some pop-ups. And, you know, since Charlie's is named after our cat, uh, I think tentatively, and we'll probably know by the time this comes out, I think uh, the burger or the pop-up is going to be uh, Betty's Burgers, named after my dog. Huh. So uh, Betty's Burgers and more. Is, uh, Are you going to have uh, veggie stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Man, you are 
damn good cook. I definitely want to eat. Yeah. I mean, we, when I took over IBK, that was the first thing. And, and me as like a, I mean, I'm a meat eater, but I mean, today I had a bag of salad. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, the first thing I did when I walked in there was like, man, you guys don't have any vegetables. Like French fries don't count, you know? And I remember the, some of those old regulars at IBK, they were like, dude, these carrots are so good. I'm like, yeah, dude, just roast some carrots with some salt and pepper, a little bit of lemon, you're good to go, man. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we're gonna do some veggie options. Uh, I you know, have the pizza oven. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up quite a bit. I kind of want to mess around with some potato lockies, you know, Ooh. bring it back to the uh, to the uh, the the growing up me, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I'm ready to ready for something different. I'm ready to be able to spend time with Cat and spend time at home we bought a house in the middle of all this bar stuff that yeah you know i'm barely ever really there yeah, i mean you work so hard i mean i'm, I'm finally getting to the point too like i'm dating somebody i'm just like you know just you know you have a couple empty days on the calendar don't make plans go yeah. hang out with your family you know? oh i screwed up man i screwed up you know it's cat's birthday today it's december 6th <laughs> and uh and I, you're a good man for i had well i had i you know i was i was actually buying her ring and my um my uh, general contractor called me to tell me how much it was going to cost to replace the gutters on my house. And I was like, man, this is really not a good time. Uh -huh. Like I'm trying to like, I'm choking down this cash, you know? And, uh, anyway, so I was like, yeah, next available is like cool Tuesday. And I was like, oh yeah, Tuesday sounds great. And then I was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, so on 8am on her birthday, you know, where people on the roof just banging around, she's a good sport. She knows I didn't do that on purpose. And, right. Yeah. So she needed a nap anyway, so we were good to do this. Yeah, that's cool. It's <laughs> great. I mean, hey, thanks again for yeah. being my first guest. This has been awesome, man. Yeah. I'd love to hang out with you anytime. You know? Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. I'd like to thank my guest, Corey Howe. You can go see him yourself at Charlie's Star Lounge or check him out on the internet. Dead Flowers is pretty much everywhere. Theme song, Celine Narala's Unstoppable. Thank you very much, my man. You can check us out on Deep Ellen Radio, and then after that, all the podcast platforms. I'm Andrew Sherman, and we'll see you next time.